0: right along. We got subject number three, traditional medicine. And the point of this um, segment is that um, maybe as far as uh, being Navajo, being on the reservation, having culture, heritage, tradition, ceremonies, we could probably find natural cures for future pandemics or future pandemics Um And also, you know, the use of marijuana or uh, ayahuasca, um, peyote, those could also be cures that, you know, nobody's really, um, pushing for anymore. So, um, as far as traditional medicine, uh, that's, you know, it's also a subject I want to, I think I covered it a couple of times, but, um, this one's more now that I've kind of been more focused on, um. Just exactly how this whole coronavirus is just falling apart, and yeah, even though they say there's Omicron and there's Delta variants and all that crap, I you know it really doesn't matter to me because they're always going to have something as a standby as backup, and you know within this past week as I've been doing these podcasts trying to upload them as fast as I can, I come across information on the radio on the newspaper. On YouTube, social media, and regular television, that's showing that a lot of people are getting sick and tired of all this um, government telling everyone that uh, you know that that narrative of the coronavirus is the deadliest plague in the world, you know, or the deadliest virus, and this is the worst times to be alive and all this stuff. And there's a lot of people who who survived, and they they have their, um, survivor stories of how they didn't follow the exact protocols that was set up by the government. They found their own ways. They found their own drugs. Um, When I mean drugs, I don't mean like illegal drugs I'm I'm talking about. Um, those pharmaceutical fancy schmancy names, they give all these different weird, you know, medication and pills and stuff. (laughs) And, um, so one of the real basic medicines that, um, that I know helped out my mom was when she got, uh, my, I already told the story before, but I'll tell it again, is that when her throat started itching during that height of the coronavirus, she, she was worried, you know, because she's an elder now and, um, and she's trying to look out for herself. So what she ended up doing was going back to the old school ways of medicine, of healing. And that's where she got the uh, sagebrush and she boiled it, drank it. And the next morning, that itchy throat feeling and all those symptoms of getting sick were pretty much gone at that point. And so she kind of kept drinking that and kind of making sh- kept making sure that she would... Um, monitor herself and that's where i ended up um thinking about that like yeah man why is all this stuff talk at the time the uh cdc dr fauci all that crap they were talking about finding new um finding vaccines to fight the coronavirus i'm like hey man if you say so you know this is you guys's narrative this is what this is your show you guys are in charge. You guys obviously had this plan for many years because why would it go off like the way it has? And, you know, and when I kind of stepped back and looked at the way it was all coming out, um, it just, it just seemed too much of a a pre-planned, I don't know, false flag, I guess, campaign. And I remember hearing the story about, um, the the first person that got the coronavirus and it started in new york and it was a a lady that came from one of the european countries man and they said she was being quarantined she was the first one i was like oh okay so this is how it starts then huh i was like okay well let's see where it goes from here the next following months then they started saying oh new york is now infected new york City there's, they're running out of, uh, patients and doctors. And then, you know, they, they really started pushing it. And I was like, Oh, it's so convenient for that virus to make its way and it. It's going to make its way down this way. Let's see what happens. And then, uh, people started posting, Oh, the Navajo nation now has the first case. And I was like, that first case that's, I did talk about that. And I think it was in, uh, towards the end of season one or was it uh, season two, but, um, the The thing about that first case is that the people who caught it they were related to me through marriage of a relative, so they're you know basically in laws, and the family tree, that family lineage, you know, when they first caught it, they were pretty much unhealthy, and um, not only that, but another factor came in with, um, where their location was, the first, um, the first Navajos that caught the coronavirus was in Kienta. Now, if you know anything about Kienta, it's landscape and where it's, wh- what's out there. There's a uranium mine out there. And if you kind of study the history of the, um, uh, Kienta people, they're, they're very sick. You know, they got, um, basically a lot of them had died from cancer, you know, and, you know, just radiation poisoning or whatever their diagnostic was at the time of their death. That's what it was that was really breaking down their bodies. And then just recently I saw a video, a friend sent me a video on a Facebook messenger about this cowboy, which uh, I really wanted to write down what he was saying and, and the medications he took and all this stuff. But the one takeaway from what he said was that um he had a pre-existing condition when when he when he got the coronavirus from people who were wearing masks or face covers i don't want to say masks but uh, face covers and um they were also um vaccinated and the people that he was working with they didn't wear their face covers and they didn't get vaccinated and he was just fine but the second he was in an area where he he was working with two other people, two other guys with face covers and and vaccination in their blood, he got sick. He almost died. And the reason why that was is because he had a pre-existing condition of cancer, too. So he, he was talking to the camera. He goes, yeah, you, me and you, Dr. Fauci, we need to have us a one-on-one talk because you've been spreading lies to people. You've been telling them that this certain medication doesn't work and it actually does. And with, with when, when I heard that, that's when I thought about the podcast where I talked about Ron Woodruff and that AZT. And uh, I, I really wanted to look for all that information so I could bring it up again. But um, just, just look it up for season two. It's like towards the last, I don't know, two or three um, episodes of, um, it's like 22, 21 or 20, somewhere right there. Anyways, I was talking about Ron Woodruff and how he got AIDS back in the '80s, and um, the doctors only gave him 30 days to live, but he ended up um, meeting up with somebody or something. He went to Mexico, I think, and that's where this uh, this guy working in Mexico told him, "Oh, that all that stuff they give you in the United States, it's not it's not going to help you. It's going to make you die faster. So here, try this stuff." And that's how he kind of became, I don't want to say like a drug mule, but he became, um, uh, he started that Dallas Buyers Club where people with AIDS would come over and he'd give them the medication. So anyways, he extended his life to seven years and then he finally died. The AIDS finally got to him, I guess. And um, so all that going on is where I was thinking, damn, that's the time Dr. Fauci was in there. And that's where he was. Um, Dr. Fauci was saying he was a young punk at that time, and he was saying AIDS was coming from gay men <laughs> who were having butt sex, you know. And that um that that stigma kind of went from there. And that's why when that Ron woodruff when he went to go meet his friends, they found out he had AIDS. So they assumed that he was a queer gay man, but he was just a regular dude. And um, that's where he really got pissed. And um, But he ended up changing the the way the CDC, you know, gave out their information and the way they let the public know about the drugs they had. You know, so he was kind of like a pioneer in that in that area. So, but um, yeah, just just look for it in season two. And then um, and so having Dr. Fauci, you know, being a part of all that and that cowboy saying, you know, you you killed a lot of people because this is what you said and. And he says, the pre-existing condition of cancer is where I almost died. So the coronavirus probably never would have uh, affected me as much if if my immune system wasn't beat down by cancer, you know, cancer cells. Then, you know, you put that together with what I said about over there in uh, Kienta, And that narrative really got pushed, man, where it was like, oh, it's deadly. It's killing people. And... The guy who actually passed away, I I never really met him, but I I know who he's related, not related, but he's married to, I mean, his sister is married to one of my family members. But um, I know that family was like overweight. And plus, once I started to realize or I forgot how I found out that Kienta had that uh, high uranium uh, floating around in the air, that uranium mine. And I started putting it all together. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, so they made a um, – what do you call that damn thing? Uh, Kienta a hotspot. They were like, oh, yeah, this is where the coronavirus – this is ground zero. And it's like, aren't you factoring in the uh, the uranium mine over there? Because the other thing that um, has become more obvious is that the elderlies who have passed away were all from um, – you know, those in the in that era of um, when Navajos used to work in the uranium mines and all those other mines, and they were breathing in all that, you know, highly radioactive material and isotopes and all that. And uh, one of my uncles, he was an old, he was an older gentleman. He was in his eighties. I think he finally died at 87, but he used to work at the uranium mines in grants and Uh, he was still able to have kids, but two of his sons or three, two or three of his sons, they can't, they can't, um, they can't have kids, uh, low sperm counter. I don't know, man. It was something like that. But once, um, once that uranium is in your system, you know, who knows, you know, uh, death is always a gamble. It's, it's it's always unpredictable when someone's going to die, but, he lasted all the way until like a few years ago, even before the coronavirus hit and all that stuff. Um, he he passed on, so that was from that. And then now you think of all these other Navajos that worked at the uranium mines; they breathed it in. Even the women that were married to the men that lived there, you know, they they had some uh, compromise with their immune system. You know, it could have been lymph nodes or, you know, other bacteria or whatever the hell it was. So when they got the, when they got the sickness, you know, I was saying like a typical flu, you know, then it got turned into the coronavirus because of all the drugs and the money that goes into the pharmaceuticals. So you start putting all this together and you really see how the uh, narrative is falling apart on the res, but... They still keep pushing it. They still keep pushing it. And it's like, look at Jonathan Nez. What, what has he done really for the people? Even before he became president, before he became vice president, what was he doing that was out there that he was making such a difference that he decided, oh, you know, I'm going to run for uh, president, you know. He really hasn't done shit, you know. Um, There was this lady on Facebook where I put up this uh, picture someone made of a Jonathan Nez where he was uh, Xerxes from the movie 300 and they removed the Xerxes original face they put Jonathan Nez's face right there and he wrote I am a generous God and this lady's like inappropriate that's not funny I was like well then you fail to have a sense of humor you know so um it wasn't um it wasn't that um I you know, was trying to make fun of Jonathan is. I just thought it was funny the way someone made him turn out to be like Xerxes just because right now he's currently, you know, the the big chief for the reservation. Anyways, so all that, when you put it all together, you know, you kind of do a little bit more research. It starts to show just exactly what's going on. And the only ones who keep pushing that narrative are the ones who are not doing the research but even then, if it's ones that know exactly what's going on that, you know, you kind of have to watch out for your family and friends there because your relatives, they, they, they could be pretty shady like that too. You know, it's like, Hey man, what the hell the hell are you trying to do here? You know? Um, but at the end of the day, it's all money. It's all pharmaceuticals. So when you, when you ever start to develop these symptoms of, uh, you know what they say that the coronavirus and the variants and all that shit provides, just know that you are native. You live on the res, you can find the herbs. Somebody will know, somebody will teach you, or, you know, if you already know how to do it, the basic one, sagebrush, boil that stuff up, drink it, gargle, whatever. And, um, pretty much you'll, you'll cure yourself. And, um, I, um, it sounded like I said, kill yourself. You will cure yourself. So anyways, um, <clears throat> we'll go ahead and, uh, get back to the podcast again and let's go jump on to the net. Nah, the next subject of the night, number four, which will be predicting the, Oh, the political future. Oh boy. <laughs>